For the past three weeks now, we've been studying through just a few of the miracles that Jesus performed while he was on earth. Scripture records over 40 miracles of Christ. And matter of fact, the Apostle John, in his writings, he tells us that if they had recorded every miracle Jesus did while on earth, then the, the world wouldn't have enough books to contain the miracles that he did. And so if we were to study every miracle of God that he ever did, and plus the miracles of God in the Bible, uh, this would be a very long message, a very long series. And so we've just kind of picked four miracles, four of the most famous, Famous miracles of God and kind of focused on those. And we've said that a miracle is the extraordinary power of God being unleashed into our ordinary lives. It's when God steps into a situation and does what only God can do. And if we're honest, each one of us here can use a miracle in some way, shape, or form. Each one of us here have some area of our life. Maybe it's a struggle. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a burden we have. Maybe it's, it's a health problem or, a, or, or a, a financial problem. But every one of us have some situation, some relationship, some area of our life where we can honestly say, God, I need you to step in here and do what only you can do. We need the extraordinary power of God released into our ordinary lives. And the thing is, we see incredible miracles throughout the Bible, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament. We see incredible miracles of God. We see how God delivered Israel from the hands of the Egyptians through the incredible plagues that he used to break the heart of Pharaoh. We see how he allowed Israel, as they left Egypt, to cross over through the Red Sea on dry ground. And he used those same waters that he had bounded up into a heap to destroy the Egyptian army. We saw how he fed Israel for 40 years in the desert with bread from heaven and with water from a rock. We saw how he used a little boy with a sling and a stone to defeat a tremendous giant that was giving incredible fear to the entire nation of Israel. We see how he delivered Daniel from the mouths of hungry lions, how he took three Hebrew children and delivered them from the fiery furnace and did it in such an incredible, miraculous way that as they came out of the fiery furnace, they didn't even smell like smoke. All those are incredible miracles of God. And here's the thing we, we intellectually know, but we don't really live like we believe it. We serve the same God today that we see in the Old Testament. The same God that delivered Israel is the same God we serve. The same God that used David to defeat that giant is the same God that we serve. The same God that delivered Daniel out of the mouths of the lions is the same God that we serve. The same God that delivered the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, that is the same God that we serve. The God that did those things is the same God that sits on the throne tonight. We know that the Bible we read is about the God that is still in the Bible but we're not sure that he can meet our needs today. We look back and say, man, that's the same God. He can do it today. And it's not that we don't believe he can do it. I don't think we believe he will do it. He did it for them, but he won't do it for me. And so we live like God isn't powerful. Because he's not going to help us. So we got to do it ourselves. God can unleash the extraordinary power we see throughout Scripture, the, that extraordinary power in our life today. We know He can, but we don't believe that He will. God has all the power to do anything that God wants to do. God can do anything that He determines to do. See, the power of God is not limited by His ability. 
It's limited by our faith, by what we believe He will do for us. See, you look in the Scriptures when Jesus was on the earth, every miracle He performed, He did it according to their faith. Because they had great faith, because they believed He would, because they, thought, they, they trusted that He would do it. So He worked a miracle in their life based on their faith. So how big is your God to you? What do you believe that He can do in your life this evening? What problem are you facing tonight that you don't think God can handle? So you don't take it to Him. During this series, we've, we've been very clear to tell you, we're not telling you how you can manipulate God to make Him do a miracle for you. You, you cannot do that. There's nothing you can do to manipulate God to get on to, your, 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 to what you want Him to do and make God do what you want Him to do. And a lot of times, I think, sometimes we, we believe uh, like prayer and fasting is that. We need some big miracle, so we'll fast. Kind of like to prove to God how serious we are. And if we, it's like a hunger strike. I'm not eating until God does what I want Him to do. That's not how God works. You can't manipulate God to do what you want Him to do. So we cannot do that. We can't make God do what we want Him to do, but we can adopt the characteristics of people in the Scriptures that received a miracle so that if God, in His sovereignty, decides to move and decides to do a miracle in our lives, we are ready to receive it. And so we've seen over the last three weeks some of the most famous miracles of Jesus and the characteristics of the people that were involved in this miracle. The first week we looked at the woman who had the issue of blood and how she was healed. And we saw how her desperate faith put her in a position to receive a miracle where she came to the point in her life where she understood if anything was going to happen, if anything good was going to happen in her life, it was only going to be because of God. And she had such desperate faith that nothing would keep her from getting to God. We looked at the feet of the 5,000. We saw how this little boy had absolute surrender, and he allowed God to use him for a miracle. And then, of course, we saw last week the healing of the palsy man, whose friends did whatever it was that was necessary to get him his miracle. So tonight, <coughs> we're going to look at one of the most famous miracles of Jesus, the resurrection of Lazarus. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 11, starting in verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So we see right off the bat that this, these characters in this Bible, they're not strangers to Jesus. They're people that Jesus knows very well. He's been in their home before. You know the story where Martha is, is hosting Jesus. Jesus is there and he's kind of teaching and fellowshipping with everybody. And Martha's running around uh, like crazy trying to serve everybody, making sure everybody's getting taken care of, making Jesus has enough uh, bread, making sure he's got enough water, making sure everybody's happy and everybody's being content. And where's Mary? She's under the table worshiping Jesus and, and washing his feet with ointment and just, just anointing his feet and just, just being with God. And, of course, Martha gets mad and says, Jesus, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and Mary, Mary's just sitting there. Why don't you make her do something? And Jesus says, Mary's doing what needs to be done. All this, this stuff here is it's irrelevant, Martha. She's doing what she needs to do, which is spend time with her Savior. And so these, these people, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they're not strangers to Jesus. They are close, personal friends. They know him very well. They've worshipped him. They have followed him for years. 
Verse number three, therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Doesn't sound like Jesus is too concerned, does it? You know, when someone calls you and tells you they're deathly ill, if you care about them, you, you run over there real quick, right? Last week when, when I went to see Howard in the in ICU and I went to see him in the afternoon and prayed with him and then I got to call late at night that he wasn't doing well and they were going to rush him into emergency surgery. You know what I said? This sickness isn't unto death. I'll see you in two days. No, I, I ran over to the hospital. I prayed with his family. I prayed with him. I stayed late. I, I was concerned and worried. And that's what you do when someone you love is, is, is very sick. You, you rush to them. You go to the hospital. You make sure they're okay. You, you do whatever you can do. And you know, most of us, when we have that situation and we have a loved one that's sick and we go to the hospital to see them, there's nothing we can do. All we can do is pray and beg God to intervene. But this is God himself. He could have done something. And he's so concerned about the man he loves he says, I'm going to hang out here for two days. Doesn't, doesn't rush to his side. Doesn't just says, well, he'll be okay. Let's hang out here in Bethany for a while. Verse number seven. And then after that, he saith to his disciples, <coughs> let us go into Judea again. Now skip down to verse number 14. <clears throat> then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now remember back in verse number four, he said, he ain't going to die. Now, his disciples thought he meant he ain't that sick. Now, Jesus knew what he meant. He meant he's going to die and I'm going to resurrect him. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be incredible. Y'all, y'all, y'all are in for a show, guys. This is going to be great. But Jesus says, to her, hey, he ain't going to die. Now he says, Lazarus is dead. He's died. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow, fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And, soon, and Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last days. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come unto the world. <clears throat> and when she had said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come. Uh, was where am I? Now Jesus was not yet coming to town, but was in that place where Martha met him. Then the Jews, when they were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, "She goeth unto the grave to weep there." 
Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, had caused even this man, should not have died? This is exactly what Mary and Martha said. They, they both came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And now the Jews that were with him saying, if, if this guy would have been here, we've seen him do great things. If he'd have been here, then he'd have healed Lazarus. If he'd have just been here, this wouldn't have happened. They're all questioning the timing of God. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, coming to the grave. It would, now look, that word groaning there, whenever, every time I've ever, ever read this, I always kind of thought, because, you know, you read a few verses where Jesus wept. It's kind of like groaning. He's like, just, oh, I'm so, this is such a trouble. See, if you read it in the, in the original Greek, it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a very strong word that means frustration. Jesus was, oh, kind of rolling his eyes at these people. If he'd have been here, he would have been just like, oh, my goodness, these people just do not get who I am. Yeah, if I'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But, man, you're going to see something even better. Jesus was frustrated at these people. He was like, oh, I can't believe they still don't get it. And Jesus, verse 39, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where, he was, where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thou that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it. So he's, he's praying to God the Father. He goes, God, I'm so glad you hear me. You hear me all the time. I just want these people to know that. I just want the people around here to know me and you are always talking. And continues, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. <coughs> and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. This miracle right here, the, the resurrection of Lazarus, is one of the greatest displays of the power of God. It shows, not once and for all, that God has power over life and death. And this, this miracle right here, it teaches us some incredible things of trusting God and trusting God's timing, but more than just trusting God's timing, desiring God's glory. There's a reason Jesus hung out in Bethany for two days. There's a reason Jesus didn't rush to his friend's side to heal him, which would have been a great miracle. We could have read about the, the healing of Lazarus, and it would have been a great miracle. But there's a reason Jesus waited until Lazarus was dead for four days in Jewish culture. After four days, you, you were dead dead. If you didn't, you know, because... Back then, they didn't have the, the machinery, the EKGs and the, the CAT scans and MRIs and all the things we have today. So people could get very sick and could look like they were dead, but they weren't really dead. So they would bury them for three days, and 
If you didn't come out after three days, you were dead, dead. We know you're dead, dead now, so okay. So they, he waited four days so everybody knew, Lazarus, he's not just sick or in a coma, he's dead, dead. He's so dead, he stinks. But there's a reason God waited. There's a reason God delayed. So there are, there are a couple principles we see in this story that can help us as we're going through a difficult time waiting on the miracle that we need. Here's the first thing. We can trust the timing of God. God knows what he is doing. We don't. We don't understand what we really need. We live in an instant society. Our flesh wants what we want, and we want it now. And let's be honest, if we want something, we have a heart. And I know, we're, you know we look at our kids, like, man, if my kids come Christmas, they want something, they, they're, they, they're, they're just, they're bug us until they get it. We're adults, we're the same way. We want something, we want it now. We want, you, any of y'all used to pop popcorn on a stove? Get the old, you had to get an old pot. Couldn't you, you had to get an old pot that was kind of seasoned for this. Put it on the stove and get some butter melted in there and put some popcorn in it. And just wait, and you, you had to wait. Had to wait for it to start popping, and then, but it, it was the best popcorn. We don't do that anymore. You know what we do? Put it, we put it in the microwave and push the popcorn button. We don't even got to type in the time. We don't got to figure out how, just popcorn, and poof, popcorn. Two and a half minutes, you got fresh hot popcorn, and it's good. Not as good as the other stuff, but it's good. Fast food, we want something, we want something, we can have it immediately. I mean, even now with movies, you, you used to, when you used to have to rent a movie, remember you always have to go to Blockbuster and hope that your movie was still there? You know there's one Blockbuster left in the United States? It's up in one Blockbuster up in Oregon. Now they have to get their movies from Walmart, but people still go there. I don't know why. But you used to have to go down to Blockbuster and look at the new releases and hope your movie, and if it wasn't there, you had to wait and come back maybe the next week or put it on reserve. And then, then Redbox came out where you could just, you didn't even have to go to, to Blockbuster. You could just go to the, to the Kroger and hope it had it. But now you don't even got to do that. You can sit in your living room and any movie you want, you can stream right to your eyes instantly. You don't got to wait for, look, if it's in the theater today, you can still probably find somewhere to watch it. You can get anything you want immediately. You know, if you want coffee, you don't even got to brew a whole pot. You, we got Keurig now, just stick a pot in there and you got, a, you got a cup. If you want something, you don't even have to leave your house. Go on Amazon, and in two days it'll be delivered to your front door. You can get groceries to your door from Amazon now. You don't even get, look, how many of y'all ever use Kroger ClickList? Oh, y'all need to use Kroger ClickList. That thing is the bomb. You go, on the, you go on the internet, you pick your groceries, you pull up, they load it in your car, give you a water, and say, have a great day. You don't even got to go inside anymore. We have made it where our life is so easy. We want something, we can have it immediately. But that's caused us to grow very impatient on God. Because when we have a problem, we want God to fix it, and we want God to fix it right now. But God knows what is best for us. And God knows when it is best for us to have what it is 
He wants us to have. So here's what we need to understand. During the difficult times of life, when we go to God and say, God, I need you to fix this. I need you to fix it right now. When God doesn't show up and we want him to, we need to understand, God, we trust your timing. Because you know what's best for me, and you know when I need it. God already has a plan for your life. We are to trust God and have reliance on his ability, on his strength, and on his character. Now again, we saw in verses 1 through 3 that Mary and Martha, they knew Jesus, and they were asking him to do something that if he wasn't God, he couldn't do it. They knew he was the Messiah. They knew he was God in the flesh. They were saying, God, you are the only one who can do this because you are God. And so they were asking God, to, Jesus, to do something that only Jesus could do. <clears throat> and then in verses 4 through 6, Jesus is so concerned about his friend's health that he stays for two days. Now, let's be honest. Jesus didn't even have to go to Lazarus. Remember the story of the centurion's servant? Jesus healed that man without even going to his house. The centurion servant says, hey, my servant's sick. Jesus, let's go see him. And the centurion has such great faith. He goes, Lord, you don't got to go to my house. Just say it and it'll be done. And Jesus says, this guy's got the most faith I've ever seen in, in all of Israel. Let it be done. And just spoke the words in this service. So Jesus didn't have to go to Lazarus. Jesus could have just said, oh, yeah, I forgot. He's sick. Yeah, let him be healed. And he would have been healed. And would it have been a great miracle? Sure it would have. But it wouldn't have been as great a miracle as we read now. So Jesus didn't have to go to Lazarus, but instead of going right away, instead of healing him from a distance, he seems to ignore the situation for two days. And here's what they didn't realize. Here's what Mary and Martha and all the Jews that were kind of mocking Jesus as he was there, here's what they didn't realize. God knows everything, and he will show up at the right time. And the right time is... When you get the greatest benefit, and he gets the greatest glory. Jesus got more glory from Lazarus dying and him raising him from the grave than from 100 miles away saying, Lazarus, be healed. He got the most glory from waiting for the situation to get worse. Now, we all say that we trust God, but when we face difficult trials, we don't act like it. We don't live like it. We begin to wonder if God is aware at all or what, why God's allowing these things to happen or why maybe God's punishing us. And God knows what is happening. He will work it out for your good and for his glory. And that's why we can trust him. Look at verse number 14 again. <clears throat> then Jesus saith unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. So here, here's what Jesus says. He goes, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad he's dead. Doesn't sound like a friend, does it? Doesn't sound like a real good friend. I'm glad that guy's dead. Uh, now, I don't, I've never said that about anybody. Yet. The day may come. But I've never said, man, he's dead. Praise the Lord. But that's what Jesus said. He goes, he's dead. And I'm glad he's dead. Verse 16. Then said Thomas unto him, called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave Four days already. See, Jesus knew what was going on. He knew how sick Lazarus was. He knew that he would die, but he had a plan for waiting. God knows what you're going through. Look, and here's, here's the honest truth. The situation that you're in, it might get worse. It could very well get real bad. 
And we can question, why isn't God doing something? Why hasn't God shown up? We're to trust God's timing. Because God always has a plan. Look at verse number 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Martha knew that if Jesus had been there, then her brother would still be alive. She knew the power that Jesus had would have never allowed Lazarus to die. She thought it would have been impossible for her brother to die if Jesus had been there. So here's what she's doing. She is blaming God for not showing up when he was needed. You're the Lord of the universe. You're the creator of everything, Jesus. You know it all. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Good job. Couldn't even be here to save a friend of yours. Couldn't even show up in time to help my brother. If you'd have been here, God, none of this would have happened. She is angry. And look, right, let's, let's give her credit. She's got a right to be. Her brother's dead. And she, didn't, she knew if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. So why didn't you show up? Why didn't you come here when I needed you? Too often we have bad situations and we blame God. We need, you know, trust means knowing that God always knows what is best, even when it doesn't make sense to us. When God's not answering, or when God's not moving when we want Him to, it's not because He is unaware or is uncaring. It's because God knows best. We need to trust God's timing. It's because it's not time for Him to work, and we need to trust His timing in all things. He tells Martha, I know he's dead, but he's going to rise again. She still doesn't get it. It's like, well, yeah, I know. Yeah, the, the last days of resurrection. Yeah, he'll rise again one day, Jesus. But you know what? One day doesn't help me right now. That's what she's saying. I know he's going to rise one day, but that doesn't help me. Right now, my brother's still dead. And he's dead. He's been dead for four days. He's dead, dead. And when he rises in the resurrection, I, that's, that's irrelevant to me. I want him now. He tell, John, John 11, 32 Mary shows up and she says the same thing. Look at that. <laughs> then Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down in his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, if you just showed up, everything would be right. Why'd you delay? Why didn't you get here when we needed you? Look at verse number 38. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, coming to the grave, it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha said, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where he, the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hadst heard me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they shall may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. She saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. This man that was dead and stinking came walking out of the grave right on time. Right when Jesus needed him to. Sometimes we can go through hard times and we can think, man, God did incredible things for Mary and Martha. Why won't he do it for me? Jesus said, why, said 
why he waited so long in verse number 42. So that God would receive glory. He didn't resurrect Lazarus to please Mary and Martha. He didn't do it to help Lazarus. He did it to bring glory to God the Father. God did what he did for his glory. What he does in your life, what he does in my life, no matter what it is, is always for the glory of God. God has a purpose and a plan for your pain, for your heartache, and for your difficulty. And it is always for his glory. Look, God's timing is not our timing. Our natural view of time is different than God's view of time. We don't have to wake God up to get his attention. We don't have to let him know what's happening. We have to just trust that whenever God decides to move, whenever God decides to intervene, it is exactly when he's supposed to, and we are to trust his timing and understand God is never late. He's always right on time. We are to trust the timing of God. Second thing we notice in this story not only we can trust the timing of God, but God works for his glory. You ever wanted something now, but you wanted it for someone else? You wanted something right now, but not for you. You wanted to give it to somebody else. And we've, we've all had people that we've prayed for, like, God, this isn't my family that needs to be healed. But, Lord, get involved and heal this person. Do a miracle. Lord, they need you to show up right now. Have you ever wanted something now, but you've wanted it for the glory of God? The greatest thing we can be used for is to bring glory to God the Father. Throughout the Bible, we see God using difficult situations in people's lives to bring glory to himself. And it, sometimes it took a long time for it to come to fruition. Look at the life of Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, lied upon and thrown into prison, all so that for 20-some years later, he could be used by God to save Israel from a famine. And at the end of his life, he looked back and said, man, the devil meant all this stuff for evil. And it was bad. Prison, slavery, being lied upon, being separated from his family. It was bad. He goes, man, the devil wanted to use it for evil, but God used it for good that he could receive glory. Why would he allow you to go through painful things in, of life? For his glory. Everything he does, he allows for his glory. He works in his time, not for our pleasure, not for our desires, not for our needs, but he works in his time when he will receive the most glory. You can trust God with your life because he is using it to bring glory to himself. And as a child of God, that's the greatest thing we can be used for. The greatest thing we can be used for, even in pain, is to bring glory to God the Father. Look at verse number 23. <clears throat> then Jesus saith unto, the, unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus saith unto, said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die Believest thou this? See, Mary and Martha, they knew things were going to change someday. But they didn't expect it when God did it. Yeah, I know he's going to rise again. And Jesus was saying, no, no, no. He, yeah, he's going to rise in the resurrection again at the last days. But he's going to rise again today so that God 
can receive glory. And here's the thing. You know, we feel bad for Mary and Martha because, man, they lost their brother. They got him back. You know who I feel real bad for in this story? Lazarus. Poor dude had to die twice. He's dead. Jesus brings him back. He's going to die again one day, which means he's going to get sick again, or maybe he's going to get run over by a chariot one day, or maybe, I don't know what's going to happen, but he's like, man, I've already done this once, God. Now I've got to do it again just so you could get glory? Man, couldn't have used someone else? But God used the difficult situation for his glory. What God says here and what he does here shows that we can trust him in everything because everything God does is for his glory. God allowed Lazarus to die so other people could watch him raise from the dead. Maybe God's giving you your difficult situation so other people can see God do a miracle in your life and he can receive glory from it. You may have a broken relationship. You may have a painful situation that you want to change right now, and it may or it may not. It may change today, but whatever it does, whenever it does change, it will change because it's when God needs it to change because that's when God is going to receive the most glory. See, God wants to use your pain to bring glory to him, so we need to trust him for his timing. So what is it that you need fixed in your life and you need it fixed right now? Are you willing to wait for God to fix it in his timing for his glory? God does everything he does for our good, for his glory, and in his time. You know what our job is to do? Simply wait and trust him. Trust him to show up in his timing. Do you trust the timing of God? Or do you think you know better? Let's pray. Heavenly Father.